Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. In Ireland, we don't get a lot of sunshine which means we probably don't get enough vitamin D. And that's why we developed Vitabiotics Ultra Vitamin D. Specially formulated, one tiny Ultra Vitamin D tablet helps maintain your immune system, providing all the vitamin D you need in one daily tablet. Bring a little sunshine into your day with Vitabiotics Ultra Vitamin D. Pick up your three-month supply in-store and online from leading pharmacies and health food stores nationwide. Welcome, everybody, to the Blood and Mud podcast, the podcast that lives every day in a state of Gloucester's latest disappointment, basically. Such long days. I am Lee, and as Josh is still living it up in California like some kind of postmodern Crosby, Stills and Nash, we have another substitute appearance, and this time we welcome all the way from Copenhagen via Burnley, rugby pass writer and all-round lovely person, Rhiannon Garth-Jones. Hello. Hello, nice to be on. Thanks for saying my name properly. Oh yeah, I did my best. So, are you Re or Rhiannon for the for the duration of this podcast, or does it not matter? He is completely fine with me. Okie doke. So you've joined us. This is your first time on Blood and Mud, and you've joined us in a nice, quiet week. Yep, it's been very straightforward. Didn't need to make any notes. Everything's totally fine. <laughs> so, uh, rugby pass then. How's that going? Uh, it's good. I write for a couple of different sites. Rugby pass is the main one. It's just quite nice to have a good kind of platform for writing stuff because if I just did it myself on Medium, it'd get about five reads. And as it is on Rugby Pass, it gets a bit more, which is cool. I get some engagement. They do all the kind of hard work of, uh, you know, formatting and links and all that nonsense. I just write something up and send it over, which is definitely the easiest way to do it. It is. I used to write for Rugby Pass until they sacked me. So Was it for swearing? No, it was just because, well, to be honest, they said, do you want to do it? I said, yeah. And then by the time I got, it was it was getting quite half arse towards the end, I'll be honest. I'm not going to pretend like I was doing anything different. And then they got rid of me. And then I, I, the, the week after, two weeks after, a week or so after that, Alex Shaw was writing for them. I was like, I, I get it now. 
he is, he is. infinitely more committed and more able than I am. So absolutely the, the right decision. So, very, very good. His spreadsheets are alarming. Oh, I think. yes, he's got the full package, that lad. Pros, yeah. spreadsheets, the lot. Yeah, I would be terrified of his Excel ability, frankly. <laughs> so have you had a good weekend? Have you, what have you been up to? Well, quite irritatingly, I had a very exciting conference on the Saturday that I've been looking forward to for months and didn't realise lined up with the final round of... Uh... Well, that's three words you don't normally put together. Very exciting conference. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it's an academic conference, something that I'm really into, so not not your normal conference. Uh, so I had an incredibly busy weekend where I did that all day on Saturday, rushed home, tried to rewatch the first set of games, catch the second and third set, and then watch all of the games yesterday while also following the cricket and the football because I'm just too obsessed with too many different sports. So you're basically like a polymath. When it comes to sport, good for you. Yeah, yeah. It was a fun weekend, though. You can't really complain about that. I went to an 18th birthday party, a family friend on in in a pub, in a room in a pub, as you do, and it was a buffet. It was the beigeest buffet I have ever seen. Any food that was not beige was barred. Not even a bowl. (laughs) Not even like a kind of like random token bowl of salad. They weren't. They weren't even tolerating that. It was all. Beige food. No, the only concession to non-beige food was salsa to go with the beige Dorito chip things. That was it. Other than that, it was all beige. And it was full of 18-year-olds. Sounds definitely worse than my conference, not going to lie. It does sound worse than your conference. I wish I'd gone as well. So... So there you go, join us for the quiet week. Now we start as we always start. Well, oh, I haven't done contacts. Contacts, see me, see me, me mojo is all thrown off with new people oh, being fun. here. Uh, if you want to get in touch with us, we are I am Lee at bloodandmud.com or it's at bloodandmud. How do people get in touch with you, Ree? Uh, I'm basically only on Twitter. So at Ree Garth Jones or just Rhiannon Garth Jones. I don't think there are many people with my name. I'm not that hard to find. No. Uh, yeah, we're on Patreon and we're on Acast and all that. Thank you, everybody, patrons-wise. I've not gone through and seen who's done the VIP lounge this week, so I've been a bit a bit all over the place today. So I do apologise. I'll catch up with that next week. We start, as we always start, with a player spotted. And Patricia DMs, long-time listener, friend and patron, Patricia. She says, one day I was walking home through university. She's DM'd me this. She says, one day I was walking home through our university campus, which, to be fair, is the University of Limerick and his official shared campus with Munster Rugby, so they're always knocking about. The rain was biblical, and I just wanted to get home, so I started crossing I started crossing the road under the assumption that the car coming would stop to let me cross, as it was a zebra crossing and wasn't busy. The car seemingly didn't want to stop until it realised that if it didn't, it would, have, it would have been me splattered on the road. I went to give the driver a look that said, what the fuck, this is a zebra crossing, it's raining, and you're in a lovely heated car, you dickhead. That's a lot to get across in one look, Patricia. I'll be honest. It's- I bet she could do it, though. I bet she could do it. I bet she could do it. I often find out in the pissing rain with guys like, look, I'm the one getting wet, mates. Please just let me cross the road. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You're, you're like warm and fucking dry. Yeah. Probably listening to shit music as well. But yeah, so uh, so she said, well, then I looked. The driver in question was none other than my favourite monster and possibly Ireland man, Andrew Conway. And now I know I bang on about Andrew Conway quite a bit, she says. Um, so, of course, I didn't go out to him for nearly killing me. Just did an, oh, it's Andrew Conway look. Again, that's a complicated look to convey, but I'm sure you could do it, Patricia. He rolled down the window to apologise, and I just wished him luck on whatever his next game was, and I went home. Now, that is lovely and wonderfully mundane. We like that. 
She then finishes with this zinger, right? This zinger. She says, not as interesting as the time I saw James Lowe in a toy shop in obscenely tight red jeans. What a thing to leave. What a thing to tease with, that is. That's nearly as bad as the tease that Squidge had last week about, obviously, James Hook falling out with him, which I forgot to ask him about. So uh, that's... uh, that's, You get them both on. This is patron special for what happened with James Hook and James Lowe's obscenely tight red jeans. It sounds like a great story. It, I, I mean, red jeans it. are bad, and then when you add tightness to them into the cocktail, that becomes quite something else, doesn't it? I feel like James Lowe has got the swagger to sort of pull it off. He probably though. has got like, the swagger, be... hasn't he? He's got quite a large posterior, though, hasn't he? Yeah, he does. He's just so happy. He's just like a happy puppy. I feel like you just forgive him any kind of fashion for that. Yeah, I can't believe how much fucking money they're giving me to do this. Is probably <laughs> what he's doing most of the time. Having such a great time. <laughs> yeah, don't even have to think about international selection. This is great. Look at all these, look at all these tries I'm scoring. <laughs> these people are so shit in this league. I just run through them. Yeah. He is terrifyingly good in the Pro 14. He's very good, isn't he? Right then, moving on, let's start with the news now. Uh, there's only one place to start in the news, I think, and that is that uh, Cardiff's Dimitri Arhip has signed a contract extension. I mean, I was going to go with Justin Tipperick finally got to play in the centre. He did, didn't he, on Saturday? Yes. So definitely the two biggest pieces of news this week, absolutely. But yeah, so anyway, Dimitri Harip has signed a contract extension at Cardiff. I seem to have been, lose, lose the ability to enunciate my words there for a while. I do apologise. Um, such a major piece of news. Such a major... <laughs> I've got to balls that up. It's the pressure, you see. It's the pressure. <laughs> it's like, you know, I don't know, announcing an Oscar winner or something. It was all just too much. So Saracens then, Ree. Yeah. Saracens um, are, to be, are to be relegated. Automatically which they've agreed to as opposed to via a second 35-point deduction. What's that all about then? I mean, I feel like you could spend a whole week on Saracens or have like a dedicated podcast to them. It seems, and we don't know because PRL won't tell us anything, uh, that they were asked to open their books or be automatically relegated and they chose automatic relegation you kind of got to ask what they've got in their books. You have. Some people are trying to spin this as a point of principle, aren't they? That no, we, you know, it's not right that you're asking us to do this, so we'll just take the relegation. It's, the, it's the, like the Prince Andrew line. I mean, you know, it's the honourable thing to do. We're almost too honourable in We're some We're almost ways. too honourable. Well, uh, apparently Nigel Ray is too kind for his own good, according oh. to Brendan Venter. So maybe the whole club are also I too mean, If honorable. anyone knows about kindness, Brendan Venter does, let's be honest. But uh, the, yeah. the... Your point about the PRL is a good one, in that... It's very strange to have a to have a, a sport that governs itself from behind a curtain. Yeah, I was brought I think... up Catholic. I know all about governing yourself behind um... a curtain, but um, so, but I don't think it's the healthiest way to go as a large organisation. Oh, I agree. I think it's quite. Um, I was thinking about this a lot today, and I think it's quite obviously a part of. There's still the like dichotomy between amateurism and professionalism in rugby union. Mm. We just still haven't quite got there in terms of professionalism in the way that other major sports have. And the salary cap in the premiership is one of those things. Like it's it's one part of a much wider thing in every other league. Mm. And they just haven't bothered doing any of the other stuff. They've got a salary cap that they essentially admit, like run themselves and 
obviously that just doesn't it doesn't really work it obviously doesn't work because no. it seems like someone is breaking it every season and now they're breaking it by reportedly two million but i also kind of wonder what cvc are thinking about this because i'm wondering if some of it's been a springboard from cvc that they've come on and just said we're not having any of this shit no more yeah, sort this shit out. It is not good enough. We've invested in this as a professional sport. Be fucking professional. And I have definitely had and have a lot of concerns about CVC and what that might do. But if that is their attitude, you know, that's that's not an area where they're wrong, you know. It's mm. very yes. unprofessional the way that this has all happened. <laughs> Yeah, because it's weird because you, they, they appoint an... Indi- I don't want to go back over the reasons. I think we're all clear on the kind of reasons why this has happened. And I know a lot of people are discussing about this whole investment thing again. But obviously, they've ruled on the fact that they appointed an, invest- in, 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 an independent panel, which was led by a, a judge, who said, yeah, they've broken it. And this is the punishment you should probably think about. But then all the rest of the stuff afterwards doesn't seem to be that open, does it? So in a way, you've got this kind of independent bit so we're just asked to sort of say, well, you have to believe what the judges said. And I've got reason, no reason to, to believe you don't believe what the judges said. It's an independent panel. That's why you appoint judiciary to do these things, isn't it? But um, but then everything, I don't understand. It's difficult to know why the pressure's being brought on them now, sort of two months after the original jump, uh, judgment and decision. That's what I can't understand. Why all of a sudden, it is literally, what, 10 weeks? Just after the World Cup, wasn't it? Yeah, the it came was like out. the day after. And it's now the same, right, now we need to talk about this again. I mean, I assume that's... It's a lot to us. I assume that's because, essentially, at the time, Saracen said, we will be under the cap. Well, they said they were. If you, if you remember their q Yeah, they said they were, yeah. The Q&A on their website was very clear. We're yeah, now yeah, under the pack cap, and it's cap. not a problem, yeah. Uh, and then maybe, you know, it was just so fucking obvious that they weren't. <laughs> Yeah, uh, that PRL have decided to look into it more. Maybe, yeah. I mean, I don't see how anyone could look at the squad last season or the season before, know that it was significantly over the cap, and then look at the current squad and be like, yeah, that's probably under. Right. Yeah, that's what we could. We talked about it. Probably you know, spending less money now. Yeah, list is one. Um, now. I mean, when we were talking, we were saying, I don't understand how they're not because the squad hasn't changed. From six, the squad's got better. They've added three. Elliot Dave to it. Like, yeah. <laughs> like, who, who are they kidding? Honestly. Yeah. Uh, so I think there's an interesting thing that's maybe I don't I don't know how true this is because I'm I don't know the sort of legal ins and outs of it. But there's quite a lot of stuff been said about whether they would be allowed to be promoted after the first season because I think there's something in the regulations that you have to have been abiding by the salary cap regulations for two seasons in order to be promoted. Yeah, listener Adam Adam wrote to me to say the same thing, that he doesn't think that they can get promoted for at least two years. Well, That's so a- I think that might be why they've done this negotiated settlement, that they're not officially over the cap, they've just accepted automatic relegation. That's the end of it. So that at the end of next season, when they inevitably get promoted after crushing absolutely everybody else, uh, essentially no one can say to them, or you have to wait two seasons because they can go back and say nothing was officially decided about whether or not we were over it in that Mm. that season that we got relegated. So we've done our time and now we can come back up. And I think that it seems to me, you know, that's what you would do if you knew you were going to get 
you you were over it and you were going to be sanctioned in a way that would end up with you being relegated, you might as well just accept relegation as automatic and take that extra kind of layer out of it and protect yourself so it's only one season in the championship rather than two. I don't know, but it seems to me that that's kind of a logical way to read all the mm. bits of it. There's, a, there's an interesting there's an interesting sequence in all of this for me. There's there's the World Cup and then the judgment comes out and then they go, we're very, very sorry, but we're under the cap now and that's all fine. And Nigel Ray continues. And then right at Christmas time, Nigel Ray's going now. The week after Nigel Ray goes or the week, well, it was still, we're still only three weeks from Christmas, aren't we? The week after Nigel Ray goes, there's nothing but comment about from Ed Griffiths about how we need, you know, we're going to have a root and branch of you. And we're going to look at this and we need to do this and we need to do that. Then they get relegated. So there was obviously something, I mean, I'd love to have seen that. I'd love to have a, a microphone or a transcript from that final meeting between Nigel Ray and Ed Griffiths, to be honest. Yeah, right. Because obviously Griffiths there was... Just looking at him like, what the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I, I said, you know... This is not what we discussed. You know, as, as Ray slides the stuff over the table, have a read of what's in there. You know, how, yeah. how, how have you gone out and said everything's fine? Look at the fucking state of this, by the way. Yeah. Oh, it's all it does, fine. Yeah. It does seem to me that, yeah, stage one is Nigel Ray. Absolutely everything is fine. Yeah. Stage two is Ed Griffiths not fully aware of all the details, like, yes, it's a shit show, we're going to fix it, and stage three is Ed Griffiths going, there will be no fixing this. (laughs) We will take a relegation, and we'll do a hard reboot on everything. Yeah, like, that's the the game is over there, like, that's done. Yeah. Let's move on. Um, And I suppose at least, I mean, it's bad timing, although it didn't stop them in the final round of the Champions Cup from their perspective. Maybe not other fans. Mm. At least they have the Champions Cup to try and focus on. Their season isn't necessarily over yet, although I have a feeling it might be when they play Leinster. Yeah, but we'll come to that. But it's it's interesting about the rest of the season now, isn't it? Because effectively, well, what do you do? I think. Yeah, what do you do there? Just start. Like, well, just start drinking. You're going yeah. down. Whatever happens, you're about to treat the rest of the season like an end of season tour. Commit to the amateurism. So we it. have to have cider with every meal. Yeah, you know all of that kind of stuff has to come into play, and then you can punctuate that. And because they're over the cap anyway, they might as well say, "Right, you, <laughs> Nigel Ray should just say, you're all on a five hundred grand a man bonus if you win the European Cup." Yeah, like whatever you want, lads. So basically, get pissed in between European <laughs> rounds, and then remember the money. Because seriously, what difference like, does it make uh, now? You know what are you supposed to do? Re- what what are they going to do? Relegate yeah. him again? Yeah, I mean, there's the whole like integrity of the competition thing but that's everyone else's problem from their point of view in terms of the European Cup or the or the Premiership Premiership sorry yeah yeah. I was going to say European Cup no No, integrity everyone sprays money up the wall there all over the place got no problem with that I think they should go full old school wrestling 92 and Mm -hmm. have like like fancy dress and champagne on the side of the pitch yeah commit commit fully to the like rich dickhead theme yeah come out for the presentations in a blazer and shorts. Yeah. Have, have loads of fun with it. Yeah, because, I mean, seriously though, why not? But I mean, I mean, everybody but, hates them anyway, so. For an organised, yeah, exactly, yeah, just go full. <laughs> Everyone else is a we don't care thing, yeah. But from an, it's difficult, for, if you think about it from an organisational point of view, McCall's got a hell of a, hell of a fucking job on his hands to I keep think- that, or maybe he hasn't, maybe they will be so, you know, siege mentality about this and everyone's against us and stuff that it will just bring out the worst stroke best in them 
I think that's true for a bit, and you could see them doing that in the Champions Cup because there's maximum three games left for them. But it's still like, what, four and a half months? Five months? That's mm. a really long time. for so- Like, right at the start when it came out and uh, what's-his-face, Alex Anderson did his amazing Taylor Swift impression. Uh, he, he did say, uh, I'm not, not going to say anything else about that. Uh, he did say, you know, they'd use the negativity to fuel them that week, but it wasn't going to be sustainable for a whole season. And it's not. You can't just be angry and no. kind of victimised and, and hate the world week in, week out for an entire season. I bet Especially Owen Farrell can. Owen Farrell could probably do anything. But they've also they've got to go and spend like seven weeks in camp with all the other England players from the clubs that hate them. Like they can't not just spend those seven weeks sat in a corner in a little Saracens club, like throwing chairs at everybody else, can they? They're talking work. about having a clear the air session, aren't they, at the beginning of the England thing to to sort it all out. I think you've got to you'd have to have some sort of conversation. Can't do something, aren't you? <laughs> Yeah, there, there are there are some extra Chiefs players in that squad, if not many. Like you've got. To... You think there were problems when you had them judo injuries? Imagine what it's going to be like if you don't clear the air after this. Exactly. So all uh, of your legs are broken. So I mean, the thing is, you can go into the ins and outs of this, but at the end of the day, this is what the ruling has been. I do think it is possible to to, to accept that it was it's correct that. Um, they are going down and they've probably broken it because a judiciary reviewer has said it and to say that there's something significantly wrong with Premier Rugby's non-independent governance. Absolutely. That they effectively rule it. So in a way, you could have a situation where you just politically decide to get rid of someone. I'm not saying that's what's happened here, but it just leaves the ac- accusations too open, doesn't it? That actually you could just get a cabal together and ask them all to vote a certain way on a certain issue and it, it's damaging, isn't it? And the thing is, whether or not they've done that, we can, you know, people can suggest that they have because they haven't told us anything. We still haven't seen the judgment, really... have we? Still no judgment no, all this time. We on, don't yeah. know anything. We still have basically the same questions we had last week, except that now we know what's going to happen to the club. Like all the rest of the questions, how they broke it, how much by, how frequently, yeah. on which players, what the players are going to do next, like how it affects. England selection, Lion selection, whether they'll be promoted. Like that's just that's a ridiculous number of questions off the top of my head to still be asking four months into this like saga. And I think, yeah, both both things can be true. Saracens could have cheated outrageously and Premier League rugby uh Premiership rugby could be completely incompetent mm. and have dealt with the whole situation really terribly. Like you don't have to pick a side between those two. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's you know, you don't want to stick up for any of them, really, do you? Oh, no. Be but it's, um, yeah, I do like the idea that, didn't they, they could go to like a building and read the judgment, couldn't they? they felt like like it was like the Princess Diana Book of Remembrance. You could go there and yeah, sign it, you know. But you weren't allowed to take a phone in or a pad and no. paper. But could you sign it like the, a Book of Remembrance? Could you say like, you are all wankers? <laughs> Hate you forever. <laughs> yes, yeah. <laughs> Princess Tony of Rowe Twats. Was, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I and think there was also stuff. like a time limit. I thought, <laughs> that might have been a joke. Maybe, maybe not. It doesn't seem any... What was, was it like MasterChef? 
Like you get out. You have three flash. more minutes. Three minutes to finish reading. You have to come on now. Close like the a, book. Like a gong. They got that gong from Japan from the World Cup and they'd like smash it with, with three minutes left. Time's up. Yeah. See, all of that could have happened because they have got no transparency. We don't know. Yeah, we would know. But I, I think like, let the word go forth from here that that happened. Yeah, that gong. We know where it is now. That Twickenham. <laughs> God in the book. Anything else on Saracens? Because it's just not, you know, we've just been round and round and round, haven't we? Uh, the only other thing I want to say is uh, I think they've talked a very, very good game over mm. the years about how they're a family and it's more than just a club and they look out for each other and it's not just about winning and blah, blah, blah. And we don't know what what the consequences will be for some of the younger players and the backroom staff and the other people involved, but... If they meant any of that shit when they were saying it, they've got to back it up now and look yes. after the kind of more vulnerable people involved at the club because those people and the fans, you know, haven't really done anything wrong except put their trust in the club and through mismanagement at best and mm. administrative errors, the club have, you know, kind of endangered the, the livelihoods of all of those people. And I think it would be nice to see that they weren't just talking shite, basically. And it'd be nice to see them back it up and find a way to to keep jobs or at least, you know, really help with transition for all of those people because that's a lot yeah. of people who are probably pretty worried right now. I think um, the fact is is that if you look at all this property stuff, they've, they've quite clearly thought, I've found something here. You like, you like when somebody finds a way of making something more tax efficient. You know, I found something here that's lawful and it's fine and it won't be a problem. And it does seem that, because they did say they've been to Premier Rugby to talk about it, but retrospectively Premier Rugby have gone, oh, actually, no, we think this is a problem. And, you know, there's no way that when everyone was doing this, even if it wasn't deliberate, even if it wasn't deliberate, there would have been a situation where somebody at some point would have said, um, this probably doesn't feel quite right, does it? Yeah, it's just, it's so obviously outside of the, the spirit of the regulations, yeah. I think, that I don't know how you could look at it and not think we might be being a, a little bit too clever for our own good here because it's pretty obvious that this is what it means, if not strictly what it says. And it would be one thing if they were like sort of 70, 80, 100 grand over mm. because of that kind of fudge. But to be as far over as it seems like they were, just feels really kind of reckless at best. And I think it's symptomatic. It's the it's the other end of it's the, the pendulum swing. Their hubris kind of their giant pendulum of hubris. I'm going with this. You know, <laughs> they, they, they 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 swing it one way and it and it does a lot of good. You know, it it builds yeah. culture and all that stuff. But then it swings back the other way, and then the, the hubris pulls into making decisions like this. They're so I can't help thinking that they're so can. Nigel Ray, in particular, I think, is so convinced of his own goodness. And I'm not saying he's a bad person. I'm just saying he's, he's so convinced of it that almost anything he does by default must be the right thing to do. Yeah. Even when even know. when really somebody should have been saying to you, I'm not sure this is the right thing to do. Yeah, like, mate, are you... Can we just run by this again? Yeah. Like, could, could we just take a, a second look? Like your hair, Nigel, we need to rethink this. Also, maybe those sunglasses, which kind of creep me out. Sunglass, bouffant on top, too long at the sides, and scarf. 
It's a strong <laughs> look, and he's and he's not moving away from it. No, that's his that's his thing, and he's sticking with it. But I would question that as I would have questioned the co-investments. I think. So life in the championship beckons. I mean, it's, it's it just shows you how much of a relatively low profile <laughs> rugby has in this in these islands that it's news. But imagine if this had happened to Manchester City. Yeah, or Liverpool. Or, yeah, you know, I mean, you know the, the most successful club team of the past three years. You know, imagine. There'd be questions being asked in Parliament. I mean, it's like, it's undoubtedly, I think, this is the biggest scandal, actually, that rugby in England has had. This oh, probably God, is yeah. bigger than Bloodgate. Yeah. And, yeah, the only people who have texted me about it are people who are massive rugby fans. Like, I know plenty of really big rugby fans who who are, you know, who are international rugby fans not, yeah. not club game, who haven't mentioned it we've talked about the England squad today they haven't mentioned it I'm not even sure that no no I mean and it is back page really news it's just not but if you look if you go on like the BBC Sport main front page it's, it's still not even though it's I mean, arguably the biggest sports story going it's there but it's not it's not yeah it's not the headline is it it's not no well you've got uh, yeah, he's, he's Gary Neville having a go about Man United's recruitment I mean, what bigger story could there be? It's what not bigger like... story could there be? Isn't he from... No, he's from Bury, isn't he? He's not from your part of the world, is he? He's from Bury. I mean, he's from the Misk North, so I suppose by the standards of some people it is. But... <laughs> yes. No, but you see, you're talking to me now, so I'm working yeah, in five-mile no. blocks. So On the standard of proper Lancastrians, no, he's from nowhere near me. <laughs> he's an entirely different species, almost. Yeah. Yes. Um, barely understand him. Right then, so... That's Saracens. Jesus, half an hour. So. In Ireland, we don't get a lot of sunshine, which means we probably don't get enough vitamin D. And that's why we developed Vitabiotics Ultra Vitamin D. Specially formulated, one tiny ultra vitamin D tablet helps maintain your immune system, providing all the vitamin D you need in one daily tablet. Bring a little sunshine into your day with Vitabiotics Ultra Vitamin D. Pick up your three-month supply in-store and online from leading pharmacies and health food stores nationwide. On Disney Plus, discover the shocking true story. Less than 1% of people get addicted to Oxycontin. Of how one company's greed triggered the worst drug epidemic in American history. A pharma company is lying about their medication. Addiction rates are on the rise because of this drug. A new and exclusive original series from the executive producer of The Handmaid's Tale. These people trusted me. Can't believe how many of them are good now. Dope Sick, now streaming only on Disney Plus. 18 plus subscription required. T's and C's apply. Steve, last another bit of news. Steve Borthwick will not be the England skills coach, despite the fact that he was announced as England skills coach last week. I think he will not be the England skills coach from the end of this season. Yeah, he's got the Six Nations, hasn't he? But I obviously, his, 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 his opening Leicester, his opening meeting didn't go very well, did it? No. Well, I think this was like a bit like the Saracens news, really. Like everyone's known this for ages. Why, like this is just. <laughs> Yeah, this isn't. This doesn't count as news. Fuck off. Speaking of other news, uh, well, it's related to the Saracens news as well. Quickly back, Alf fucking Jamia Leicester. Oh, a chance when actually, they could actually be going down. I don't know. I it was a long shot. Still, a bit annoyed. Like, not not to be mean to Leicester at all. I've got all nothing wasps. personal against them. But it all would have wasps. been quite a, ch- a big, massive thing towards the end of the season, the bottom end of the table, wouldn't it? But also, now it's not. 
teams who are doing that badly deserve to have to fight for it. They shouldn't. They shouldn't just be like let off <laughs> because someone's outrageously cheating. Especially Leicester. Like, Leicester should yeah. not be let off with anything. So like, they should have to work for this. But maybe maybe they'll do. They've both got quite exciting academies. I think maybe they'll like start playing some nicer stuff, and it'll all be less of a horror show. Hey, but, we'll, yeah. we'll see how good Saracens Academy is now, won't we? Oof. I mean, I think the answer to that is still really fucking good, to be honest. But you know, hey, now no one's getting relegated from this league from the Premiership. Now, does that mean it'll automatically start playing loads of kids and playing open rugby? Because that's how it works, isn't it? I mean, I'm really excited to see what a what a pointless uh, relegation free. Premiership rugby looks like, you know. Well, it'll make it. It'll make it a joke league, according to according exactly. to according to lots it'll of people. It'll now utterly worthless, and they'll be uh, they'll be like looking over the over the the kind of aisles to see maybe a more exciting league. <laughs> hey, probably not. <laughs> probably not. <laughs> but it will be interesting to see, yeah, to see what what those teams do. Because to be honest, almost all of the teams, London Irish. Not exactly convincing. Bristol have been great at times, but not exactly convincing. Like all of them could have been in danger of a relegation fight, and now they can mm. all kind of do other stuff. I'm quite excited to see what that other stuff might be. Stephen Myra, speaking of London Irish, now is an absolute dead ringer for Parker from Thunderbirds. I have discovered pop culture reference. Not your strong point. I'm sorry. No, I mean, I did watch Thunderbirds, but I can't remember what Stephen Myler looks like. Or Parker. <laughs> well, he looks like Parker for Thunderbirds. I've just told you that, yeah, literally, two minutes is, ago. I'm, I'm just going to report that as fact from now on. This is actually, sadly, a pop culture reference that's sort of vaguely in my wheelhouse, and I still can't get it. It's really embarrassing. <laughs> <laughs> I've got, I, I haven't got any science conference references, unfortunately. We'll be, no. right, we'll be sorted then, won't we? Any more news, Ray? Uh, well, there's all the squads, but I suppose that might be a separate section in itself. Well, let's move into the squads. That's the separate section in itself, shall we? Where do you all want right. to start? Alphabetical order. Okay. England. England are first, are they? I literally had to start thinking about that then. <laughs> it's not that hard. It really isn't that hard, no. <laughs> We're live here. Come on. Right. Uh, right, yeah, sorry. Uh, my headline is that Ben Young's is still house, somehow still in it, but... Uh, Moving he loves him in a very real way. I fundamentally don't understand how Ben Youngs can have 95 caps, but uh, I'm going to move past that. No one needs to hear my outrage on Ben Young's mediocrity. Uh, more to the point, there are still only two proper scum halves in it, and they are Ben Youngs and Willie Hines. I think most of the players who've been dropped are just injured. There's quite a lot of stuff about Jack Noll, but they've confirmed since that he's yeah. injured. Um Dan Cole, Ben Spencer, Mark Wilson, Jack Singleton, they've all been dropped, so I wouldn't say any of those massively surprising. Uh, all the players who've been called up or kind of called up again after, like, a squad call-up but no cap or just one cap mm. are quite fun, fast, exciting, dynamic sort of players. I think it's quite a cool squad. All being fed by Ben Youngs. Woot! Yeah, so yeah, it's um, going to abs- absolutely shit all over that. The point about scrum halves is a good one. What Eddie Jones obviously looks about England and goes, "These are the best two, in my opinion." I know it's an I obvious mean, thing to say, but it says a lot yeah. about what he thinks of everybody else. There is something fundamentally unconvincing, and you know what? To be honest, I look at the likes of Robson and Ben Spencer, and I don't think they're bad players. 
but there's nothing in there that makes you think they are so much better in truth than Willie Hines and Ben Youngs, which says well, quite, which is quite the damning indictment, really. It is. I would argue that there are a number of them who are better than Ben Youngs. I, oddly enough, I can see Willie Thing Hines. Is, I'm not saying they're not but... they're not better. That in a way, I'm not saying they're worse than him. I'm saying that they don't look good enough. I can understand better. why they're not they're not sufficiently better to throw away a bloke with 95 caps. Yeah, That's the thing. I, just... And nobody's a bigger critic, criti- you know, <laughs> criticizer Youngs than I am. But I think you actually oh. need to accept the reality here. Could possibly give you a run for your money, actually. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> I really, honestly, I would die on this still. But uh, I would say, in fairness, you know, Jones has earned the right to have his impenetrable decisions. He has a fucking yes. brilliant record as an international coach. And I, I do get the feeling that at least with England, I think he would, maybe he would have like really loved Greg Laidlaw. <laughs> I think he would like a really, just a very steady, like do the basics and nothing else. Slowly, if you have to, scrum off. Because actually, as much as I will take the piss out of Ben Young's, he was perfectly competent a lot of the time when England were, and when England were playing well. Usually, what Ben Young's was doing was just very simple, basic stuff. Yeah, I agree. And yeah. In that World Cup final, he was conspicuously overplaying, and it went. <laughs> he overplayed the ball straight into touch about twelve minutes in, if you remember. In an interview, he called that an uncharacteristic error, and I think we have different <laughs> definitions of what the word. That word doesn't mean what you think it means. Yeah. <laughs> You keep saying this word. I would define word. it as yeah. the exact opposite of that, actually, Ben. Uh, but yeah, I think you know he wants he wants reliability. I don't think he's that interested in having a. His horror would probably be a French scrum half, you know. He doesn't Which want is any weird, though, because knife and shit. the best scrum half he's ever had, obviously, is George Gregan. Maybe he just felt. But like in a way, George Gregan could never be replicated. And George Gregan was completely reliable. Just dazzlingly more talented than this lot he's, that Jones is managing now. He was still completely reliable. Yeah. I think that's what... I think he thinks that you can get everything else you need around the pitch and a scrum half is just a very kind of functional role. And actually that... Um, I don't know if it was him that said it or, or actually Steve Diamond, but someone was sort of talking about Ben Curry could be like a stand-in scrum half and everyone was laughing like classic Eddie bullshit. Yeah. But I think his point actually is that all he wants is someone who can get the ball away from from the rock to the next player. That's all he wants in his scrum half, basically. So you don't need to be fast or exciting or anything other than competent. I would still suggest Ben Young's maybe isn't, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Willie Hines is certainly. So the notable the notable selections, the notable absences, I suppose. Sam Simmons isn't in, and everyone thought he was going to get a look in. I didn't, Zach, actually. Uh, I don't think Zach, Zach Mercer or Sam Simmons would get in. No, I, did I didn't. think Don Brandt would get in, though. Did you think who would get in? Alex Don Brandt. Yeah, so you broke up with that. Don, yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you think he'd have been worth a bit of a tip? Yeah. I yeah, think... You would have thought so. There's no specialist number eight, and... Well, you would assume that Billy would have been in there if he hadn't broken his arm again, the poor fucker. Yes. Um, so there would have been one specialist number eight, but... I guess probably Ludlam, maybe Ben Earl. They could both play pretty I well. Think, I think he's looking at. He's probably he is probably looking at Ben Earl, is he? I mean, he's the form player. He did seem to really like Ludlam in the World Cup. 
and he does have a bit of kind I, of. I wanted to play eight at international level though. Well, no, but well, I not. Do I put it this way? Not the way that England have had their eights playing because their eight was Benevol Napola. I suppose what we don't know is has he got a different plan for his back row without Napola. I, I think there is maybe something. Um, kind of in the manner that Wales started doing in the World Cup, actually, that once Falatau got ruled out, Moriarty was sort of the obvious eight, and then quite quickly it turned out that they would just sort of rather have three flankers. They would rather have... And Navidi very quickly became the kind of centre of everything that they did well, as was noticed when he wasn't there. So, yeah. Yeah, he was actually... So maybe Ludlum will end up playing an eight and playing a different kind of eight. I don't know. Or, yeah, or, I mean, Ben Earl could kind of do that job as well. And mm. even when then Navidi couldn't play... You know, Wainwright was immediately talked about as a genuine option at eight. I think England could do that as well. They've, they could do that better. They've got enough kind of carrying elsewhere, maybe, that they could have a a less traditional back row. Um, I'm not pro-massive experimentation in, in that style, but I think, you know, if you can't be that, you obviously cannot be reliant on Billy because his injury record over the last couple of years, you know, it's mm. like Manu Tualangas was, you can't rely on him. So you need an alternative. But I think also you kind of need a second style of playing anyway. And that was something he was really focused on. And they went up to the World Cup. This maybe that's just what he wants to focus on now is get cementing that so that they've got two, two go-to options. Mm. And the loss of Billy doesn't necessarily mean kind of panic in the ranks. Yeah, um, backs what I mean. So yeah, there's a few. Well, is it six, how many uncapped players? Six uncapped players, is it? Eight. Eight. Yeah. Yeah. And also some people uh, who've hardly got a cap, like Oli Devoto, is back in. Oli Devoto and Ted Hill's only got he's yeah. only got one cap. There's a couple of players who haven't been capped, but I've been in the squad before. And then a, basically, I think the cool players are probably the Saints players. Yeah. Uh, Fraser Dingwall, the centre, George Furbank, the fullback, Alex Moon, the lock, who is very, very tall. I think he might be. <laughs> Good start. Good start. Nine tall. He's <laughs> a really big lad. Um, and Jacob Amaga, the Wasps fly off. I, wasn't, I would never have called that one. Never have no. called that one. Fun fact Jacob Amaga, who you would never have called with his four premiership starts, is older than every single one of the French fly halves. Yes. Kind of terrifying. Yeah. He's he's older in age, but mediocre in stature next to them. <laughs> them I and mean, their magnificent madness. Oh, I can't wait. I'm so excited about France. Oh, my God. France no with Sean Edwards, Galtier, and a load of fucking mad shit all over the squad. Come on. There's... There's, there's no possible bad outcome. No, not at all. Even the, even the chaos... At least... I got very frustrated with France in the past couple of years because they were shit when they were even trying to be reasonable. And they were so boring to watch. Yeah, exactly. That's what I mean. So they were like inevitably so going to lose every important game and be fucking terrible. And make you terrible as well, either yes. playing or watching. They just made everything terrible. Whereas this France are going to make everything brilliant. Yes. Uh, unquestionably. Just pick a team at total random and it'll be fucking great. It will. It'll be like 15 men running around with a bullet belt of party poppers to set off. They've got their only tight head prop with test experience is Denver Bamba, who has seven caps and is 21 years old. Brilliant. Outstanding. He's a fantastic player. I oh, really he is. Like. That's, I mean, great 
I love it. Anyway. The average age of that squad is 24. Most of them are too young to remember Gaultier winning uh, anything and that 1999 fan side except the members of the squad whose dads were in that 1999 side. <laughs> yes, of course, yeah. <laughs> Fantastic stuff. <laughs> so, yeah, so back to England. So it's interesting because yes. each squad has got an element of transition to them, haven't they? Yeah. Because of the nature of new World Cup cycle, few people retiring. Obviously, a number of squads have got new coaches. So it's all quite interesting, really. And apart from Jones, but he, Jones is obviously taking a view that he probably wants to mix up. It'll be interesting to see, actually, what his match, Vinopolo is injured, but what his match 23 will be like. And, God, it is a couple of weeks' time now, isn't it? A week's yeah, it's 12 days. That's terrifying. Yeah, God, yeah. Um, I think it probably won't be that different. No, yeah. Yeah, that's, that's what I was coming to. I agree. Yeah. I think he's, you know, he didn't make that many changes. He's never made that many changes. No, he's basically got Stuart Lancaster's team. The the two changes he made, which was Underhill and Curry, which basically well, chained everything in the last twelve yeah. months. And I'm pretty, he'll, I'm sure there wasn't much design for that. I think he thought I'll give these two fucking angry young lads a go. Oh, look at that! Apparently, he knew about Sam Underhill when Sam Underhill was was. Not just stilling. He knew about Sam Underhill basically from the start. Yeah. Someone gave him a call and said, go and watch this lad in Wales. And then when you've watched him, find a way to bring him back to England. Yeah. Um. So I think that was maybe, he had an idea that that might be. But yeah, Curry, I think, kind of a bit came out of nowhere. And I don't know. Well, he'd have been mad if he was banking on Sam Underhill four years before. Yeah. But yeah, those were the those were the the major changes, really, aren't they? Everyone else was kind of. But I think a lot of sport is 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 fortuitous in this way. Do you find yeah. somebody who just works and there was no ground? You probably dress it up that it was, and you think, oh yes, you know, I knew what we needed, and I went and found him in sale. He's like, no, you never. So um. No, there was a. Oh, I've completely forgot what the interview was with now. Damn, it was really good. Uh, someone who's talking about that kind of captain's myth of like, you know, basically if you pull it off all the weird, like, little bits of shit stuff that you did are somehow strokes of genius. And yes. when you lose, they're all just really weird and embarrassing and lame, basically. And their entire relevance uh, is... The Chris Robshaw gambit. The Chris uh, Robshaw 2015 gambit, yeah. Poor Chris. Poor, <laughs> poor, poor Chris. <laughs> poor Chris. Just poor simple-faced Chris. Yeah, um, Seems like such a lovely man. He does seem like a generally lovely man. Yeah. Probably loves the Lighthouse family. He'll be going on to watch them on tour this year. Well, certainly does, yeah. Right then, moving on, alphabetically. France. We've done France. F comes after E. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we probably have done France. And I did France uh, last week because they announced theirs early. So that's true, yeah. It's moving uh, on. Ireland. Ireland, thank you. I am genuinely struggling with this. I'm so glad that you're here for this alphabet thing because I, I, mean, I, I am all over the chutney here. Order, which is happening, but it's not that hard. No, it really isn't. It shouldn't be. But anyway, right, Ireland. Uh, now, this Ireland. is interesting. Uh, the main of Leinster's kids, obviously, who are obviously going to be brilliant the second they play because that's just how it goes. The main thing for me is that Andy Farrell has very, very quickly moved John Klein the fuck out. And brought uh, the Screaming Skull Ghost Rider, Ills of Eyes. Yeah, yeah, that's Devin true. Devin Toner back in. Devin Toner's back in. For, yeah, I hadn't picked up on that, actually. That's a good point. 
So that's the big news for me is Farrell going, as if Farrell basically saying, that was never my fucking idea, by yeah. the way. And as a defence coach, I am confident I can teach Devin Turner to tackle at the correct time. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, I'll tell you what, uh, no though, there, there's, a, there's a fair amount of dynamism in that the four locks they've got. Yeah. Ryan Henderson, Devin Turner, even though he looks like that, is actually more dynamic than he appears. He's definitely more than he gets credit for, I think. And Olsen Dillon's back. And I, yes, I yes, like Alton I really like him. And I was very yeah. sad that for the past 18 months, he seems to have gone somewhere. I think he was injured for a bit of it. But, um, a lot of injury problems, I think, yeah. But he's a lovely player, great impact player. So I think I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing him. And they've got Tyburn to come back whenever he's not injured from whatever injury he has. Good point. They've got a nice, a nice set of locks. They have, yeah. And uh, obviously they've lost Rory Best. So you've got to assume that Rob Herring will start from Ulster. Although, oh, yeah, because they've also dropped Neil Scannell. They have, yeah, that's true. And Roland Kelleher, that, well, as you mentioned, a wonderkind from uh, Leinster is in there. I can't see Heffernan I mean, starting. I can't really see Heffernan starting either. I think he's got one. Near it, really. No, I think, I think it'll be, yeah, Herring to start and Kelleher off the bench, which could be fun. Now, CJ Stander's not playing very well. And as you say, you know, this all kicks off in 12 days. So it'll be, I, I wonder if Keelan Doris may start. I could absolutely see Keelan Doris starting. He just looks... I mean, all of Leinster's kids basically look really comfortable as soon as they play for Leinster, mm. but I think Doris has been hyped for quite a while now as not just the coming thing, but like the one of that set of Leinster back row wonder kids who would most easily make the step up, like Scott Penny and Max Deegan have both quite hmm. understandably got a lot of hype, but I think Doris is the one that everyone's kind of been like, he will be in the Ireland squad, he will be he will be playing and he will be totally fine, basically. And yeah, you could see it, definitely. There was a lot of obituaries written about this Ireland team after the World Cup, and I um I think in in the post World Cup episode I basically said there wasn't that much to worry about. It was just a bad six months at the wrong worst possible time, I think, for them, maybe bad twelve months at the worst possible time. And I did get the impression that they kind of—I don't want to say Joe Smith ran out of ideas; he's too good a coach for that. But I got the feeling that there was diminishing returns setting in with his yeah, coaching. Yeah, I wrote something just before the World Cup to basically say I don't think Ireland fans necessarily need to be worried. Like all of these things are, are possibly kind of temporary. The squad is still there. Um, yeah, it's a case of like of just bad timing and the worst. Timing, but yeah, you look at that squad. It's full of brilliant players. Loads of really great options at ten. If Sexton isn't fit, he's the captain, so I assume Andy Farrell thinks he will. I be wouldn't fit, say they were but... great options at ten. There are options at ten. I wouldn't sure I fancy Billy Burns starting a Six Nations game. It's quite exciting options, though, if you think. About I know what you mean. From, I know what you're from saying. From the start of a World Cup cycle point of view, rather than yeah, rather than trying to win a Grand Slam, yeah. You know, Carberry been injured now, either, does it? But um, yeah. I like the midfield. I like Joe yeah. Lama will start every game now, I think, at fullback and not be moved between he's, wing all the time. He's just got injured. No! They don't what? know how badly yet. Uh, they just confirmed it. he went off with an injury. It wasn't tactical. See, I uh, think that the emblematic start then of the Farrell era should be Dave the baffled puffing Carney at fullback. 
You know what? I have laughed a lot at Dave Carney in the past. Possibly because, <laughs> yeah, haven't because, we all? You, because yes. you guys have laughed at him so much. He's been in fucking great form. Yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> He's genuinely been really good. Stick him at fullback. Uh, also, something that I put in my uh, in my like what I learned notes. Will Addison is very good. He is. He's been quietly very good for about quietly, two years. Just yeah, very good. I could definitely see him at fifteen if Larman's not fit. I think he'd be a lot of fun. He would. So the back three, if Lama stays fit, the back three will be Lama, Stockdale, and I think Keith Earls will stay in, won't he? Because um, they've yeah, lost. Well, Stockdale's not been in great form. Yeah, they're not dropping him, though. It's that, you know, it's the Ben Young thing. Yeah, I mean, it? it is. Yeah, it was the George North thing. He's just staying Yes, there, yeah, that's more <laughs> like it, yeah. Um, um, yeah, so, and, and I think the big question will be with Cooney's form, is Murray getting dropped? And that's the really interesting thing for me. Heading yeah. into this first weekend, I don't think he will be because I think that he hasn't. He's not become a bad player, Conor Murray, and I think there is something about sticking with with that. Very nice, uh, very nice pass yesterday for one of the tries. Hmm. Um, I think I think the nine decision depends entirely on ten. If Sexton is fit and good to go, then maybe they play Cooney. In the knowledge that you know one half of the pairing is rock solid. If Sexton isn't fit, well, yeah. I mean, Billy Burns. Do you want him with Conor Murray holding his hand, or do you want him with his mm. nine holding his hand? Well, Sexton's captain now, isn't he? So if he's fit, he's starting. Well, yeah, but if he's not fit, which is yeah. eminently possible if history's taught us anything. Basically the trouble always. is, though, is that I think the worry when you look at those lives is that. There's a tendency for Sext to keep playing Sexton when he's on one leg and tied together with gaffer tape, basically. And I don't yeah. look at those flyovers and go, "Oh, that'll definitely change." I mean, if Carberry were fit, it would just be him and Murray. It would be, That's, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, wouldn't it? Um, as it is, yeah, I think you know if they go, "Oh, let's give Jack Carty a go," then I think Conor Murray is definitely starting. <laughs> I absolutely. If I. Did a bit on this recently for um, for the rugby magazine. This thing about Wales's constant crisis in the centres. This is relevant, I promise. Uh, and how basically for the last like eight nine years, one if not two of Jamie Roberts, uh, then Hadley Parks, and John Davis has pretty much always played if fit because hmm. they were so important to the team in general and specifically to the defence. And that meant that Wales just never really kind of pushed through alternative players to give themselves a proper backup. So what you had was every time John Davis gets injured, every Welsh person just lets out like a never-ending scream of horror because we never properly prepped the backups with that with the kind of security blanket of the other one. And I think Ireland have had kind of a similar problem that they've never really trusted the alternatives to Murray or the alternatives to Sexton and they haven't taken the opportunity in the past mm. to try the different combination. You know, they've, they've done it at times, obviously, but to kind of properly take a risk on the result of the game for the long-term outcome of having another nine that can work well with Sexton or another ten that can work well with Murray so that they just have a bit more kind of security there. And mm. I, I would like to think 
they will try and do that, the Six Nations, although I have no hope about it. It's probably Well, you have six. to do it at some point. The trouble is, is that because the Six Nations is such a huge tournament in its own right, it's, you, you can't, you'd get... You can't take the piss, can you? Well, you'd, but, be, you'd be seriously castigated, wouldn't you? For, yeah. For, for treating it like some kind of development. But you've got to do it at some point. But I suppose at least the summer tours about this year, aren't they? So there is a chance to do that if you do it, if you do it correctly. Moving yeah, on to so... Scotland then. Uh, yes. Which is next in the alphabet, isn't it? I'm, I'm, I'm with you now. Um, no, what is wrong with you? There are six teams in six nations. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's the same so, right there. Yes. Italy. Italy. I know I'm not uh, saying they... I don't pay that much attention to Italy, but I've forgotten to even bring their squad up to look at it. So go, you go on this one. Uh, I'll join I in. I don't have the squad, but I do have notes. They only have three uncapped players. Uh, and I'm looking at them. I don't think any of them will be starting. Um, no, Parise, obviously, that's the big kind of headline, although everybody knows that he will be summoned for the home games. Sandro Ozani is still there in the second row. Uh, they recently, like literally just before we came on, they announced that David Cece has been injured. But they've got Dean Budge. Uh, they've got cool second row options, basically, and they've got cool back row options. Marco Lassarone, the Benetton guy, has been really I good. I like him. Yes, Nedry, I like him a lot. Nedry, yeah. Bronstein, that's a fun set of back row options. And yeah, Lazzaroni can also play in the second row. Uh, so David Cece being injured is maybe not a disaster. Uh, Luca Bigi, the zebra hooker, he's the new captain. Uh, I mean, basically, it's a really good squad by Italy's standards. Mm. And they're going to have the same problem that they've had for the last few years. They've I imagine will have improved quite a lot and they won't have improved anywhere near enough to bridge the gap with everyone else who is also improving. Um, yeah. And you've also got I, a Tommaso Allen Carlo Canna problem, haven't you? So I mean, Tommy Allen is 26 now with 54 caps. So maybe he's fat. You know, he's been around for so long that you assume he's like, I thought he was like 30, 31. Mm. No, I sorry, I didn't think he was older. It's true. Yeah. He's, he's not even, he's basically not even hit his prime yet. Like maybe he might actually be quite good at some point. That's a bit of a stretch, but yeah, but, uh, but, uh, but yeah, you keep fighting that fight, Ray. <laughs> I just, I feel like he does, he's the, I think he's the set fly half. He's got enough experience now that maybe you can start expecting a little bit more of him. And if he fucks it up in the Six Nations, then they've just got to find somebody else. I like the back three. I think if they play Benvenuti, Padovani and Minotti, yeah. I'd be pretty happy with that. The centres aren't bad either. Like, um, I actually don't know how you pronounce this properly, but Alberto Scarby. Scarby, yeah. Benetton centre. Uh, he's been out of the squad for like six years, but he's been really good for Benetton this season. Um, they've... I think basically Italy in this tournament are going to be like Benetton in the Pro 14 uh, in that everyone's going to be quite surprised that they're not completely shit uh, and they'll still probably beat them, but they will have to start actually sending out serious teams rather than just sort of gobbing off about, oh, of course we, of course we respect them, blah, 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 and then like sending out the thirds. Hmm. Um, I think they're good enough that you, it's not... It's not a DOS game now, but it is also still a game that everybody else should be expecting to win. Right then, moving on quickly. Scotland. Scotland. Next, <laughs> Indonesia. No, uh, Scot- <laughs> Scot- 
Japan. Yeah. <laughs> Scotland. Probably, is this the one with the least amount of, apart from, you know, the big one with Laidlaw going, is this one with the least amount to talk about in some ways? Hogg's captain now, obviously, but he was always going to be in there. And yeah. Quite an obvious choice, really. I don't like fullbacks as captains. I don't see the point, but there you go. Also, uh, Scotland have a history of fullbacks as captains. True, around, you that know, is true, actually. Uh, I think they've generally gone for a much more... I think Gregor Townsend has finally realised that you can't have all those party backs if you don't have some serious forwards. Hmm. And he looks like he's tried to kind of rectify that problem and pick forwards that might actually be able to kind of do a bit of damage and give the backs a bit of a platform. Yes. Um, they look a bit more, just a bit more carrying power, basically. Mm. Uh, and that's where you look at those uncapped players, a couple from Edinburgh, who've made quite a bit of an impact. And some of the players, you know, like Ryan Wilson's not in. I think he's probably the biggest omission that's not an injury one. Yes, never wholly convinced by him anyway, to be honest. Um, no, I mean, it's nicely sort of Larry. But yeah, I like that about him, but then couldn't, didn't, I don't feel he had the physicality to back it up, really. But yeah, the, exactly. I like Maggie Bradbury, though. I'm glad he's, because he was, yeah, he was a quite, a, well, he, when he turned up at the World Cup, he was, oh, great. And again, injured for a little while. I, I've really liked him a few years back, so I'm glad he's back yeah, in. I can, see, I can see a back row of kind of him. It's difficult, actually, isn't it? Well, he, can he play eight? Bradbury can't, can he? Well, he doesn't, but... Kind of bit. Yeah. He's done it. He's done it before. I've, I can't remember when, but I've definitely seen him play eight. It's fine. They, Scotland are another one who could definitely, like, make a virtue out of just having three flankers at the back, I think. Mm. If if those flankers can do enough carrying themselves... Give it to the Mish. Give it to Mish, obviously, yeah. But, I, yeah, I think that's the big takeaway for me, for the Scotland squad, is that... Gregor Townsend has noticed that you need some power up front. But they've still got Matt Scott's back, which is after quite an absence. Um, yeah. And, I mean, the, the centres again, they've not they've had no problem in centre for quite some time, have they? And then all of a sudden they did because they were having to, like, select all kinds of random, like Nick Grigg. But, uh, I think they picked, they just, I don't know what, I think that was a selection decision and I think it was all wrong. Yeah. So you look now, they've got, they got, they got Hutchinson, Sam Johnson, Hugh Jones, Matt Scott. Back a bit. Yeah, and I think uh, Duncan Taylor's not in the squad, but they said that's because he's Still... playing for Saracen six days before the first right. game. Might be in later. So that's not bad, is it? All their backs are really good. True, actually. Yeah, like, all yeah. their backs are Well, really good, good enough, yeah, certainly. Yeah. And I think, yeah, what they were missing basically is doesn't matter how good your backs are, as Cardiff Blues have discovered repeatedly, if you don't, can't give them any front football to work with. So he's picked some players to do that. Good. Hopefully Scotland will... Well, not Finn Russell must feel like I want to leave Paris. Oh, I've got to go to Scotland next week. <laughs> I'll, be so fucking, I'll be going fucking backwards all day. Yeah. You just look around the changing room like... <laughs> Hiya, lads. Can I, can I take you with me? <laughs> <laughs> don't leave me alone. Right. Wales. Finally, that is the last one in the alphabet. It is the last, yeah. Jesus Christ, we've had some problems getting here, haven't we? But there we go, yeah. I think Wales is pretty straightforward. It's the ones they've picked who are England-based, basically, are the Mm. fun ones. Uh, Nick Tompkins, Saracen Centre. Yes. The current, at least, answer to Wales' problems at outside centre. 
uh, Will Rollins, Rollins yeah. the Wasps lock, who apparently Pivak and Stephen Jones have been keeping an eye on for the last like five years, basically, oh. which is quite cool. Stephen Jones knows him from Wasps, and Pivak remembers him from a game where he basically single-handedly embarrassed Scarlett and has been trying to sign him ever since. <laughs> so went one better and just made him Welsh instead. Will Griff John's in from Sale. Big beardy Will Griff. A very big lad. <laughs> yes. yes uh, WRU put a photo on Twitter just before we came on, and it's Reese Webb, who is not a small bloke. Reese Webb is like six foot, and he looks like a fucking pixie chasing Will Griff John. <laughs> I properly like madly cackled it looks ludicrous he's 140 kilos I'm excited somebody found when he was at sale his, his squad picture at sale about a year or two ago some um, a gay fella on Twitter American fella said I don't know what sport this is but I'm interested and there was just like <laughs> this massive chain of gay American men getting very much into Will Griff John He's, he's got a very smiley, friendly face. Yeah, yeah. And also, he doesn't... Uh, I said he's a big lad, and he is a big lad, but he doesn't look like a like a fatty. No, he's just he's just a large human being. He's got the Will Skelton of, yeah. thing going on. Yeah, it looks, you know, like he... I wouldn't say it's all thoroughly defined or anything, but, yeah, it looks like a lot. there's as much muscle there as there is just, like, yeah. pork pies. He looks like he stood closer to you than he actually is because he looks too big. It looks like he stood very close to Reese. Webb. <laughs> <laughs> and Reese Webb's in, of course. Yes, Reese Webb is finally back. He'll be on the bench, I'm guessing. It'd be a bit of a cheat for him to start because we've got no idea how he's playing. I've said this before. I don't. Think, I don't know how he can get in ahead of the other two and start, regardless of his pedigree. No, and I don't think Pivak would. It might be different if Pivak had coached him before and therefore knew. Uh, to be honest, I'd start Tomas Williams, who I think is brilliant. I think he's absolutely brilliant. I think there's a point at which you have to pin pin your kind of future on something, and I think it should be him. And Yeah, and I think, uh, you know, Gareth Davis, as much as he makes me scream with rage a lot of the time, uh, does is played an incredibly important role in the way that Wales and Scarlets play and especially defend. Uh, I don't think he should just be, like, jettisoned. But, yeah, Tomas Williams is, is bloody brilliant. And to be honest... Something that really stands out about this Welsh squad is that the core of players now is still fairly young considering how experienced they are. Like, mm. Pivac can get away with a bit of experimentation and it's essentially mandatory in the centre. At least one of the centre spots yeah. is, you know, uh, someone new-ish, if not entirely new. But I think he can also, you know, Dan Bigger is going to start, basically. He's in the form of his life. I think he could cope with Tomas Williams inside of him instead of uh, his usual sort of buddies. Hmm. And I would, I love Reese Webb. I would have preferred him to have come back before the World Cup. But I think, yeah, we don't know how he's playing. We don't know what that time in turn has done to him. And Tomas is brilliant. Give him a go. So there's a possibility of a Tipperick stroke Navidi, Aaron Wainwright, Falatau back row. I thought you were going to say centre combination. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, <laughs> that's what dreams are made of. Even I can't go that far. Yeah, but it's um, but yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, it's best back row going possibly. I mean, it's up Ross there. Is, Ross Moriarty is not getting a look in. No, he's Thomas not. Thomas no. couldn't no. even get in the squad. Yeah, I think I would. 
I don't know who you leave out, actually. Honestly, I think maybe you put Tipperick in the centre just so you don't have to make it. The centres do need sorted. He has played there now. So. Uh, yeah, but I mean, any three of those four would be delightful. Owen Williams is in. Out of nowhere. He yes, literally came up, he played for Gloucester like two weeks ago. Everyone went, oh yeah, he still, he still plays here, doesn't he's, he? He's been absolutely fucked with injuries for oh, yeah. such a long time. Yeah, basically, Wales are going to start Owen Williams at 12 and Hadley Parks at 13, or Hadley Parks at 12 and Nick Tompkins at 13, I would guess. Uh, Hadley Parks should not play 13 in anyone's world. Well, no, we discussed this extensively on, on Twitter a couple of weeks ago. But he did. He was a, he was a 13. You know, he was a 13 at Scarlet. He was a 13 right the way up until Gatland that's picked him for Wales. He's not him. a 13 now. <laughs> Sorry, he just isn't. No, no, he's not. But there aren't many options. No, I know. I, could, I know, yeah. I could I could see essentially Pivak saying, I would like Owen Williams at 12. And I don't want a three cap player at 12 with a zero cap player outside of at 13. So I could see him essentially saying to Parks, and, just please don't fuck anything up. Like, just hold the defence together. And I'd certainly prefer... Um, yeah. I'd prefer Josh Adams to George North if you're going to go... Oh, all day. ...on the 13. But again, you're still just weakening a wing, I think, because who'd you bring in? Owen Lane, who I, I like, but not very talented. Not very experienced, sorry. Reece Samit's injured uh, now anyway, and why would you? Reece Samit was not on crutches on the pictures that Wales okay. released earlier. <laughs> exactly. To be honest, as horrible uh, as it sounds, I, I wish you... I don't wish this. There'd be some positives for him to be a little bit injured for this six stations because everyone will fucking... He'll not play for a few weeks and everyone will calm the fuck down. It wouldn't be the worst thing... I mean, nobody wishes an injury, but if game. it's not something serious, he can just rest up for a few weeks yeah. and the, the clamour can calm down a bit. Halfpenny could play wing, I suppose, again. Well, so what I was going to say is actually what Wales do have, if if you went mad and put Josh Adams at 13, they've got Johnny McNichol now. Hmm. Jim Williams will be back fit, hmm. reportedly, and Lee Halfpenny. So you could have my personal dream of three fullbacks in the back three. Right. Wingers yeah. are unnecessary. Just have all the fullbacks. Uh, and that would be quite fun. You could just put any of them anywhere. Right, there you go. We've spent ages on this. We're an hour in already. So, uh, yeah, yeah. Moving on. Moving on. I've got a song. I'm excited. Let me get the guitar. Obviously, I did a song about Saracens last week, so I'm doing another one about Saracens this week because my EP on Saracens will be coming out uh, Easter time. Anytime, surely. It won't really, but uh, right. I need to ooh, work out right. Okay, so minor key. The here we go. A song. About Saracens and our favourite journalist. Are we ready? Outstanding. I can tell by your eyes that you've probably been crying forever. And the facts of the case don't mean nothing to you, an award winner. You don't want to talk about it. 
how they broke the cap When you tweet just a little bit louder When you tweet no one listens Because it's shite So much shite As he stands all alone Will somebody please consider his awards? One he gave himself, the other 100 he gave himself. The facts of the case don't mean nothing. I'm a fucking award winner. And I don't wanna talk about it cause they never broke that fucking cap so I shout dickheads to everyone on Twitter but when you tweet you know no one listens because it's shite so much shite It's every shade of shite So much shite Fucking amateur <laughs> There you go I enjoyed that Thank you, you very much I didn't have to contribute Yes, well done <laughs> Right, moving on. We've still got a weekend to do. Have we got much of the weekend or just to go straight to shit good? Uh, probably could just go straight to shit Let's good. Let's go straight to shit good because it covers the weekend, doesn't it? What have you got that's shit? Uh, I'm going to leave the Saracens and award-winning journalist stuff to people <laughs> on Twitter. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Nige apologising as he sent off Will Skelton. Yeah, what's uh, that all about? But the, I get that Nigel wants to be, you know, empathetic with the players, and I get that maybe, you know, Will Skelton is very tall, but fucking hell, it was late, there were no arms, there was no way it was intended to be a nice, friendly tackle. Like, it was the reddest red card. We should have just yes. told him to get off Redder the than a pitch. baboon's arse. It was absolutely yeah. awful. Everything that could be wrong with it was wrong with it. And no, I don't. I don't even remember anybody trying to argue with them about it. Like it's not like I needed to calm down the situation. It was just like, yeah, that's a red card. Get off the pitch. It is. Yeah. Isn't it funny when you look back from twelve months ago? Everyone is now just going, oh yeah, that's red. You know, there's yeah. no kind of. Oh, he's very tall. And what are you supposed to do there? Like we used to get, which we literally got probably about twelve months ago. We still get a bit, but. Oh yeah. Everyone well, is now just going. Yeah, last gone. year, I was just like, I had the framework saved on my phone, and I was just posting it on Twitter like constantly. I'm not, I'm not even gonna fucking engage with you. Here is the framework. Leave me framework alone. Framework blocked. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just mute. Leave me alone. It's there. It's really obvious. I'm so bored of this. Like, uh, yeah. I don't think anybody argued with it. I don't think anybody apart from Nigel thought there was any need to say anything other than that's a red card. Get off the pitch. Hmm. I suppose good is that everybody finally knows that that's a red card. Yeah, true. 
Andy and Brum gets in touch and he says, shit, is Nigel Ray a person who's just been allowed to walk away with no punishment or indeed any outcry for him to face? Um, I think there's been outcry on Twitter, Andy, because that's why a lot of people have been jumping to his defence saying, yes, but he's, he's, you know, he's, he's nice to old ladies and kittens and things. But, um, yeah, he does... There is something about... Is, should there be personal accountability? Plus, actually, let's be honest, we don't know how much personal accountability we ha- he has. We just know because he's such a big figure there. The investment thing is his, isn't it? I don't want to go through, over this again. But yeah, it's interesting that he could just quietly be retired. Yeah, but then I guess if he loves the club that much, the punishment for the club is his sort of... You know what? That's very true. See, this we is different in, to Josh being on. Josh would have piled in then, but you look at you being all human and empathetic about it. I mean, I was being sarcastic, to be honest. I just <laughs> we could put him in stocks if Andy and Brum yeah. wants. But I Isn't don't... the punishment for the club the real punishment here? The answer is no. <laughs> yes. Um is no, it's fucking not. <laughs> uh, anything more from shit from you? Uh, I mean... Even more Ospreys players being injured. I think both Nicky Smith and Dan Evans went off injured. But also, you know, I'm not Josh and I'm not Squidge, but also fucking just the Ospreys again, standing item. That was a really good pack they had in that, you know, the backs might have been seriously questionable, but that's a test standard pack they had. Mm. And they looked all right for the first 30 minutes and then it didn't look like a test standard pack anymore. Really. And if I were Alan Wynne-Jones, I would be considering murder. I think he He's is. a lawyer. He's a lawyer, so he would know how to get himself off as well. Is he a lawyer? I didn't know that. He's, he is a trained lawyer. I don't think he's qualified in the sense that he could practice. He has right. a law degree. All right. And when he, made, when he was captain, when he got made captain, someone asked him... <laughs> Uh, you're a trained lawyer. Are you going to go into law after rugby? And his response, in perfect like Alan Wynn fashion, was the death stare and no, because I have a soul. <laughs> Woof! That escalated quickly. That was it. Yeah, <laughs> just nothing else. <laughs> so yeah, he's a lawyer, and if he killed the entire Osprey hierarchy, I would back him to get himself out of jail quite quickly. Yeah, and it would be a valid option, in my opinion. Tom Dare gets in touch on the Twitter and he says, shit is the fumbling, trundling Ulster wing with a wispy beard who's pretending to be Jacob Stopdale. Because I can't believe he's the same bloke who terrorised the Six Nations two years ago. I mean, people are allowed to dip in form, aren't they? I agree with you. He does looks a, he looks a, a half the man he used to be, but um, people are it's allowed to dip in form. For that kind of dip in form is my only kind of... I feel like young players who... They burst on an international level and get a good couple of years under their belt. Maybe I'm being very swayed by George North here. I mm. feel like he could have had another few years before the dip in form kind of came. It's true. Maybe it could have lasted a bit longer. But you don't know how long yeah. it's going to last for either. You never know when he gets a green shirt. And some people do that as well. They just play better for international yeah, side, don't they? Tom also says that shit is rugby union in January 2020. It's had a shocking start to the year in many ways and undone a lot of the amazing work in the World Cup's brilliance. Very true. Seldom has a sport so desperately been in need of a good six nations, free of controversy. Yeah, I mean, the thing is, they held the Saracen teams back till after the World Cup precisely for that reason. They didn't want to ruin the vibe. Yeah. So um, oh, it's been fucking ruined now, hasn't it? So we'll see what vibe happens. officially gone. I think I think last this weekend was a good weekend of rugby if you just ignored the whole Saracens 
scandal aspect. Yeah, we just focused on the pitch, yes, which <laughs> which we've not done, obviously. Not so really, we're responsible for, for killing the vibe. But um... uh, I don't know if it comes under shit or good. I suppose it depends on your uh-huh. point of view. But the rugby gods being absolutely determined to make Leinster and Saracens play each other. This is the second time in three years that Leinster have been the top seeds in the Champions Cup. And their award has been to play Saracens. Yeah. And in between that, they just played them in the final instead and got beat. Yeah, that's true, isn't it? I mean, obviously, we all want to see Leinster play Saracens because it will be great. Just not now. It does feel a bit harsh for some of the Leinster players, to be honest. Although maybe it's better to play them now before they sort of get up ahead of steam. Well, they'll be drinking now, won't they? So you might catch them on the back end of a four-day bender. So, right, catch Owen Farrell just drunk throwing rugby balls at people. Yeah. What else have we got here? This shit. Joe Taring gets in touch. He said, "Shit is Sergio Paris, not not in the Italy Six Nations squad, but still providing regular updates on which game he might fancy gracing his with for his farewell appearance. The amount of fuck it I do it myself and the ego while commentators tell us what a great servant he is will be unbearable." I mean, I suppose if anybody's earned the right to be this much of a fucking egomaniac, maniacal I mean, shit house, it's him, I suppose. However, is, it does it's not a good sound, look, yeah. is it? It's not a it's good a, look. It's a bad look, and when it happens, there's going to be like 30 seconds of sort of tearing up and thinking about the good times, and then 90 non-stop minutes of wanting to like smash a TV screen as everybody wanks on about what a brilliant <laughs> servant he is. Yes. But he has carried them for... You know, this is a man who has lost more than a hundred test matches. Like, I think if we're going to have one last relic of amateurism that we permit, it is Sergio Barisa. Well, do you remember the testimonial? Especially I... since they're going to lose anyway. Like, realistically, they're going to lose anyway. They're going to be a lot better. Brian Driscoll's last Six Nations was a properly. They need to put a double sheet down in the studio because it was going to mm. get so frothy in there. But uh, I did, so I I, imagine, I think it could surpass O'Driscoll because O'Driscoll, you know, won a Grand Slam and things and was part exactly. of a good team. He so had, like you just said, yeah, there'll just be yeah. nothing because they don't know any other Italy players. So there'll just be nothing about banging yeah. on about our about the titular wonder of this man. Actually, what would definitely cast as good is all of the commentators finally having to learn other Italian <laughs> players. Yeah, and p- casual <laughs> fans on Facebook having to actually yeah. name another player in place for it. Because like the third game without him, you're not going to be able to just talk about how he's not there. You're going to actually have yeah. to talk about who is there. Yeah. That could be fun. If he played for any other team, yeah, all right, shut up. Yeah. Yeah. If he played for any other like, team, they'd have fucking slapped him for all his fucking behaviour. That's what would have happened if he played for any other team. <laughs> to fuck off, yeah. Sergio. Fucking hell, Sergio, yeah. Um, no, he, didn't, he didn't do that until the last few years, did they? The fuck it, I'll do it myself stuff earlier on was like mostly a solid call. You know, like he was yeah. probably the best person to do it. It was only the last couple of years where it was... Apart from all the top. drop goals. He definitely wasn't the best person to do that. I mean, well, said that, that might have been when Kelly Haimona was playing, so maybe he was the yeah, best person I, to I do it. Yeah, I think it's probably, it's, it's a dubious one. Yeah. <laughs> like, right. But and yeah, I do think that's, it's going to be a bit much. Moving it on. Garrett Jenner says shit is Reece Zamet getting injured before the Six Nations. Yeah, I, I see what you're saying, Garrett, but as I said before, I think that it could be a little blessing, that. And as I've said, he's not on crutches anymore. He's not on crutches <laughs> anymore, so maybe we don't have to worry about. Rob Warlow says shit is Nick Phipps, and I've got no real reason for it, he says. 
I, I can live with that. Oh, that should just be a standard item. Yeah, yeah. I think that's fine. Shit, Put that in the fucking item. Yeah. Who looks like the shit out from a John Hughes film? Yep. Uh, Hugo Gordon says, "Shit is the fact that Leinster absolutely dominated the group stage and it's gotten us into a match against a pissed-off Saracens team with nothing else to play for." Yes, as Regis point Regis made, we absolutely agree with you. Max Trail, shit is Nigel Owen yet again a shocking call that decides a game. Elliot Daly clearly knocked on and somehow Rassing were penalised. Pen that set up Saracens winning score. I think. Oh yeah. Th- I think. It was definitely a knock-on, and he didn't miss it. But I do also think one penalty cannot be what decides a game. If that's if that's what you're hinging your win-loss on, one penalty, you didn't do enough in the rest of the game. Like You have to accept that some of the calls are not going to go your way, possibly at the most crucial moment, and have done enough before to not let that be a problem. And it was a bad call, but I think Saris were... The better side. Yes, and it was very typical of them oh, yeah. to make everybody go, oh, for fuck's sake. Do you know what I mean? Just when we expected yeah. to crumble or be pissed off, yeah. The only thing that wasn't typical Hell of a testament was to them, really. like 10 minutes of hope where it looked like Rassing might kind of sort of do it. Hmm. Um, but yeah, I think, I mean, he's right. It was a bad call, but I think they would have won it. Anyway, or they should have won it anyway. Tom Gorman says shit is the absolute shambles of Premier Rugby. Leaving whatever Saris did aside, this all started because they swept everything under the rug in 2015. They let the clubs police themselves and now they're more or less silent on the biggest issue in the history of the competition. That is true, actually. All we're getting is decisions, aren't we? It's ridiculous. Yep. I've got some sympathy with Stephen Jones on that one. Saying, oh, there there is a CEO then, is there? (laughs) I've, I've been covertly following Stephen Jones this week. So like, well, I can follow him by going through my football podcast account. Oh, crafty. I, He's never blocked me because I've never interacted with him because uh, I like the option of having a front row seat. And to be honest, I've been disappointed because it's not been anywhere near as mad as I thought it was going <laughs> to be. Occasionally, I've been like, I can discern a point here. You have to dig for it a bit. but <laughs> Although, I mean, all of his predictions of, uh, of the, you know, the Sunday twi- oh, times, yeah. Twat Tradamus, his predictions have not exactly gone down well. No, in that, that they've been, been completely bullshit. wrong. Yeah. All that has been complete bullshit. Yeah. But I expected that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, David Pritchard gets in touch and he says, shit is Lyon. Basically an identical French team from the early noughties. No shape, no game management. Attacking tactics basically constru- constituted a lobby to a Fijian. Props effectively decorative in open play, yet they are somehow second in the top 14. Absolutely bang on for me, that. Love it. Absolutely love it. You got any more shits? Uh, I suppose anybody you might have to play Saracens in the championship next year, but Oof. that's kind of it. <laughs> well, it depends who's left behind, though, doesn't it? I think you could leave a skeleton Saracen side and they'd still Well, we'll find out how good that fucking academy is now, won't we? Yeah. Uh, right, good. We're on good. to now. What have you got there? Uh, dragons. Mm. Dragons have a quarter final. Everything that's good about rugby this season is the Dragons, basically. Fucking hell, yeah. And I'm not saying they're going to win it, but it's not a crushingly unwinnable game. It's at a stadium they can easily get to that is a fun stadium. Hmm. And they're playing against a team that's fun to watch. Like, I'd, I'd be all right with that quarterfinal draw if I were them. Our opening and good if- from Jamie Phillips, long-time listener and long-suffering Dragons fan, but not so much anymore. He says that's good... <laughs> 
is Dragons reaching the knockout stage of the Challenge Cup gives a long-suffering fan something to look forward to. He said, shit, however, is Tyler Morgan getting injured after diving over for a try, oh, which is one of the most Dragons-y <laughs> things I've ever seen. Yes. Yeah. Also, one of the most Tyler Morgan things. Just, just <laughs> yeah. mate, don't do stuff like that. You get injured way too often. <laughs> But yeah, I mean, every all the nice things. Like since the World Cup's finished, the Dragons have given me endless pleasure, even when they're madness. It's yeah, been no, it's... drop goals in the rain. Oh, it's all been glorious. Even when it's against your team, to be honest, it's <laughs> got to be ce- it's got to be celebrated. Actually, <laughs> like, it's really nice to see. Tim Colton says that good is the shadow of Jamie Roberts has left the building. Also, good <laughs> is that it's Matavesi replaces him. He basically does what Roberts does, but also has a pass. Where's he I gone, mean, what, Jamie Roberts? He's, he, into the Stormers. Oh, that's that's random as well, isn't it? Well, yes, everyone says this, but actually, when Jamie Roberts played for the Barbarians, it turns out he does know how to pass. It's just that none oh, of God, the yeah. coaches he's had for the last like ten years have ever asked him to. I think, and in fact, probably explicitly banned him from doing it. And I think isn't. I thought he was allocated a certain number of passes in his career by like a special genie out of a tree or something. One, one like a sprite, <laughs> like a wish sprite. And now he basically uh, all he can do is run. Like that bloke who sold his laugh for like gold. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> but also he's replacing uh, Damian Dialende at the Stormers. That's like one outstanding jaw, <laughs> another outstanding jaw, and a pretty similar sort of smash it up. Well, Dialende is basically Jamie Roberts from 2009 without the pass, actually. Yeah, the Lendy exactly. skills are appalling, but he is absolutely petrifying. Yeah, it's a great shout, actually, for Stormers in many ways. Maybe. He might, he might be past it. But any more good from you? Uh, Rob Baxter, and not for any of the normal reasons, mm. but when asked uh, if he was worried about the referee giving a yellow card and a penalty try against him, he said, no, I'm concerned about how we're defending because we're not right now. <laughs> Oh, you got to love him, haven't you? <laughs> I just thought that was re- just really deadpan and instantaneous. Yeah. I just thought it made me laugh so much. And he says a lot about uh, him, you know, I don't blame the ref for fucking anything. Yeah. We're being shit right now, and that's the problem. Uh, and also, I think this was on Twitter. I really liked it. I wanted to make sure it got said. Nick Hillen. Yes. Adam Hastings looking like a capable backup to Finn, and then in brackets and capital letters, no, they can't play at 10 and 12 together. Firmly approve of this opinion, Nick. Yes. I think the full, um, which is what's the the Scottish rugby blog call it the full cats at a rave lineup, which I think is, <laughs> which I think is, which I think is Russell Hastings and Hogg at thirteen. I think that's like the full full cats at a rave lineup, which a lot of people realistically suggest. You know, people do for Wales as well. And to these people, I would like to say no. Absolutely not. Sam Larners would on a chat on Twitter, and he made a very good point. People just because people are good on the ball does not automatically mean you should give them the ball all the time. They're yeah. good on the ball if because I... of when they enter the game to get the ball. That's yeah, what makes this, them look good. That tweet from Sam Larner about like, I wonder what pe- why people think North would be good at thirteen. Yes, That's how we got onto the whole parks at thirteen and right. all the various other options. And yeah, you know, thirteen is a the most defensively demanding position on the pitch. You don't give it to people just because they can run very fast. Please stop <laughs> yes. suggesting that you can. Um, right then, what else have we got here? Good. Stu C gets in touch. He said, good. He says, the laugh I got reading Jones's article about Sarri is a piece so bad it was a journalistic, journalistic equivalent of shitting yourself with your clothes on. 
You know, when I read Stephen Jones's comment pieces, more than anything, I'm amazed that he's not a very good writer. He's a really bad writer. <laughs> not a very, at all. I mean, I'm not a fantastic writer, right? I, do, I can't, I, I, I mean, I do minute by minute stuff, which is a completely different genre, which is a skill in itself, but I don't do comment pieces really. Um, however, I do know what a good comment piece looks like, and I know what good rhythm looks like, and his is appalling. Yeah. And his, his vocabulary is appalling. Everything about him is terrible, really. Yeah. I don't know if maybe he was good at writing once and now he just can't be asked. But... I, I genuinely think he's a good journalist. And, and no, don't shoot me, guys. In that, I think he has lots of contacts and he's got, and he's, and he's, 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 he'll put himself across and he won't give up on something and he gets his nose in there. He's got a good news craft. I get that feeling. Yeah. But I don't think it's he's just... a very good comment writer, a good, uh, you know, yeah. ed writer. I, well, or if he was. He just can't be asked anymore. 157,000 properly... awards, though. So, you know. He's, he's phoning it in, though, since the 157,000. Yeah. Uh, what else we got here? Uh, Naomi gets in touch. She says, Shit was wasps losing 27 nil at home. He said, But she said, Good was my chronic illnesses deciding I needed to stay home, which means I missed having to see it. Well, I'm glad you thought that was... I'm very sorry you have chronic illnesses, Naomi, but I'm sure you're living with it and you know all about it, so I'm glad that it was good for you on that day. Um, I mean, I, I have a chronic illness and I think you've got to find the silver linings in these things. I yeah. would also have been glad to miss that game, so... Ooh, I just punched my microphone. Apologies about that. Um, Matt Ford, my old mate Matt Ford. Hello, Matt. He says, good. Is some interesting, exciting choices in the England Six Nations squad? Yes. Shit is the uncertain fallout for rugby post-Saracens. Yeah, I mean... Again, it's a, you can have a whole episode in itself about what happens now. What happens with the salary cap? What happens with governance? What happens with all that kind of stuff? Maybe we will. Maybe. One day. <laughs> uh, good is that the barber of Siberia gets such as good as that nobody thinks Scotland are dark horses for the Six Nations for once. <laughs> yes. <laughs> We've had a terrible, bad. terrible autumn. Yeah. Um, Neil Webber says, good is videos of SA locks playing in Japan, like a dad getting over competitive and, yeah, basically, sniming in Japan. Ludicrous. Oh, God, hilarious. Yeah, really funny. Steve Parrott says, good, the Gloucester defence yesterday in the last 10 minutes. Nothing to play for but pride, but they got stuck in and they can be proud. He said, the fact that this kept Exeter as a second seed has absolutely no bearing on my value judgment at all, says Steve, former Exeter uh, PA man. I think still PA, I can't remember. Um, <laughs> D. Clark gets it so it says good was Darcy Graham. I know Arjun of Bobbins, but four tries is still four tries. Absolutely. Absolutely. Great use of Bobbins as well. Absolutely. Sam Marsh says good is Nakarawa's leg drive for Glasgow's first try. And yep. Paul Roach says good is Irish radio sports show off the balls interview with George Cruz the day before Sarri's got relegated. He got absolutely roasted on the salary cap. The most uncomfortable 40 minutes since the second half of the World Cup final for him. I listened to that. Have you listened to it? No. Let me just say that George Cruis is not the most natural communicator to start with. Bless him. And he's out there trying to flog his CBD, CBD oil business. And then All they right, started yeah. onto him about the salary cap. And he, was, he wasn't very comfortable anyway. Then it became something that goes on to such a level of uncomfortable that you wanted to turn it off. Because uh... to be fair, I, don't think it's, I think it's difficult to hold a place to account. They get offered stuff, they sign a contract. And and asking them to have opinions is difficult. He did his best to be fair, I think, but yeah, it was a very uncomfortable thing. Have you? But got you can't really. 
You can't really let him go either. I, I have one from Twitter that came in really late, but it's okay. really quite funny. Uh, the dead ball area, Owen Farrell running in, leaping over the rock and screaming, yes, clearly <laughs> caught on the ref mic, only to realise Saracens hadn't scored and he had to wander back into position. I remember saying that, yeah. That was that last last minute, was it, with Duncan? Yeah. And, um, Duncan, Duncan, got tried. Duncan, Duncan, Duncan Edwards, I was going to say, the former Man United player from the 50s. That's definitely on him, though he died. Um Yes, so there you go. Yes. And uh, Saints, I thought they've shown a lot of uh, a lot of grit to come back away from home, even if it was against Leon in that second half. And I think they're going to be in the final because realistically everyone else is flaky at best. And when the weather gets better with Dan Bigger clutch kicking, they could be quite a lot of fun. Yes, I'm liking them a lot this season. I'm liking them a lot, yeah. Nice to have, nice to have another team back, you know what I mean? Because... The yeah. trouble is, there's still a bit of daylight between them and Exeter, but even so. But it will be a fun final, that, I think, you know, if they mm, can get that's some, true. Sort of, that's true. some semblance of parity up front, it could be quite entertaining. Ray, it's been wonderful. It's been a right laugh, thank you. And we've got right to the end of it, and we've done a full 90 minutes and didn't even really talk about the weekend, so apologies, everybody. But that's just the way it goes sometimes. That's just the way it goes. Lots, lot of news, lot of uh, squads. Thank you very much, Ree. Thank you very much, everybody. And we will speak to you all soon. Take care. Goodbye. Bye. In Ireland, we don't get a lot of sunshine, which means we probably don't get enough vitamin D. And that's why we developed Vitabiotics Ultra Vitamin D. Specially formulated, one tiny Ultra Vitamin D tablet helps maintain your immune system, providing all the vitamin D you need in one daily tablet. Bring a little sunshine into your day with Vitabiotics Ultra Vitamin D. Pick up your three-month supply in-store and online from leading pharmacies and health food stores nationwide. Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.